It's always fun coming down from our other congregation of Bradley Stoke and seeing the different congregations. And it's also interesting seeing the different reaction to the same sermon. It's actually quite a privilege to preach the same sermon twice uh, and then to see how people respond. By the way, today, this is, this is the message I warned you about when we started uh, looking at Ephesians all those months ago. Because today we're going to talk about husbands and wives, and today we're going to talk about being a submitting community, submitting to one another. And so that's uh, something of a challenge in our culture, uh, so we need to be prepared to be challenged. I think, what do we do when we come across passages that challenge us in the Bible? Well, we can ignore them, and quite often people do, and wouldn't it be easier if it wasn't there? Uh, And so when we preach through a whole book, uh, that's why you do it, actually. That's why you preach systematically through a book of the Bible, so that you can't skip bits, uh, because all Scripture is God-breathed. All of it's good for us. Uh, Sometimes we might not like some of it, and in fact, it would be a huge surprise if we read the Bible and we thought, yeah, I love all of that, because this is God speaking to us, and we are flawed human beings, and there are challenges all the way through. Here is today one of those. We're going to challenge this morning something of our cultural narrative. We're going to challenge the cult of celebrity, the idea that that, the, that kind of chief end of humanity is to get on Love Island. No, that's probably not it, is it? The, the chief end of humanity is to get to the top of the pile and stay there for as long as you can and have as many people making your life wonderful as you possibly can. That does sound quite good, but that's not what the Bible teaches is the way to be. We're also going to challenge maybe a slightly more insidious or slightly more under-the-surface uh, understanding cultural norm maybe, and that is this, that, uh, that the greatest freedom is for us as individuals to kind of actualize all of who we are, and that's a, a kind of a great aim. That's, in other words, that as an individual, I can do whatever I want, and no one can challenge me on it. That's a, that's a, that's a kind of cultural norm, that I can do almost now, almost anything I want, and you cannot challenge me on anything that I might choose to do. We're going to challenge those things by looking at the Scripture today. So today we're looking uh, just into Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, next week John is going to actually finish this series for us, and he's going to carry on uh, through into Ephesians 6. And what Paul has done, and I thought last week was so helpful uh, when we, again with understanding from Mick, that Paul describes what Jesus has done, then says, this is what you do about it. That's quite simple kind of way of understanding Paul's letters. He said, this is all that Christ has done, all that he's achieved on the cross, all that he's done in making you a new person in Christ. Now, this is how to na- na- now live like this as a result of all that he's done. And so we're heavy now into the section of the book of Ephesians where Paul is saying, now live this out. Live out this new creature. Live out this new creation. Live it out uh, in the society, the community that you find yourself in. Live it out. Husbands and wives live it out. Uh, Parents and children live it out. Bosses and employees work it out. Put Christ on display for all to see. That's his aim through all that he is and does. What Paul wants, what Christ wanted, was to make the gospel clear to people. And that's what we are to do in this new kingdom that we find ourselves. So let's read this passage, and then let's ask for God's help. I'm going to start in verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5. Submit to one another 
out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, the body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Father, we pray as we look at this passage of Scripture that you would help us by your Holy Spirit. Come on each of us. Help us to uh, receive all that you're giving to us through this. Help us to understand what you're saying, Lord Jesus. Help us to go away clearer and more equipped to live and serve you in your kingdom than we were before. In Jesus' name, amen. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the kind of heading over this whole uh, part of the letter that Paul writes to the Ephesians. Submit to one, one another out of reverence for Christ. And we probably ought to think about this word submit first. Now, have you ever watched cage fighting? Some of you probably have watched cage fighting. So cage fighting is a pretty violent form of unarmed combat where two opponents get in a cage, effectively quite a large cage, I think it's octagonal, I can't remember. And they get in this cage and they basically beat the living daylights out of each other until one of them shouts, I submit. Um, and usually with a you know, knee on the neck from the opponent. Now, when we approach a passage like this, we can think of the word submit and our head can go to that kind of submission. That's not what Paul is talking about, you'd be pleased to hear. But fortunately, there are other kinds of submission, aren't there? And if you're a student or if you are, have been a pupil, and most of us have been, you might have submitted a piece of work or an essay or a dissertation for someone else's approval. I remember well, the, the kind of, it doesn't happen this way now, does it? It's all done electronically. But back when we used to handwrite our essays at university, I know, yes, a long time ago, uh, and I can remember rushing through the corridors trying to submit my piece of work, get it on the pile, usually, you know, not on top, obviously, you know. <laughs> trying to sneak it underneath. But what are you doing then? Well, you are submitting something of yourself for the assessment of someone else. I'm submitting it for a, a mark. I'm submitting it for someone else to, to say what they think about it. I'm submitting to someone else in that. There's a, a way of understanding submitting. And then there's an, other ways of, of, of understanding this word as well. And now we are, you may, I don't know if you know this at all, but there's a World Cup going on in Russia May, may be aware of that. There is a game on today, apparently. It's an hour from now. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, maybe it's an important game. I don't know. But when a team plays together, each player submits their skill, their gift, themselves to what? They submit to the rules of the game. They submit to the captain of the team. 
and they submit to the coach. And the, the most fun teams, I used to be a, a, quite a team player on lots of different teams as a younger man, and, and, and the most fun teams to play on, even if you didn't win all the time, were teams where people really did submit themselves into the team. They gave themselves to the game. They gave themselves to the other players. They gave themselves to the rules. How many of you have watched the, the kind of HD close-up kind of VR replays of the World Cup and thought, isn't it wretched when they just cheat? I, I am fed up with watching millionaires cheat on TV, aren't you? I'm just sick of it. <laughs> and yet, when they play well together, and, and occasionally you see a team that does this, quite often actually you do, it's a joy to work. It's, it's more of a joy. I'm just telling you, if football's not your thing, then think of another sport or some other context. But I'm telling you, it's, there's such joy in it. There really is. You think, wow, within the rules of this game, submitting to the, the coach's instruction, they are playing together for the good of everyone and everyone who watches. And it's a wonderful thing to behold. Now, when we understand submit to one another at reverence for Christ, that's the kind of submitting that we're talking about. Not the knee-on-your-neck cage fighter submitting, but rather a functioning, fluid team working together that really is very beautiful indeed. And then we hear what's the, mo the motivation that Paul also says. It's submit to one another like that. Why? Why would I want to do that? Well, out of reverence for Christ. Because of who he is. Because of how he demonstrated what God is like to us. And we find that and in, Ephesians, in Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to read this very famous passage. And in it, we get a sense of Christ submitting to his Father and Christ submitting to the plan of salvation. Let's read these familiar verses together. Philippians chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit... If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place." And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That would be enough, wouldn't it? He's demonstrating a submitting attitude, submitting to his Father, submitting to the plan, and wonder of wonders, submitting himself to us, flawed, failed, sinful beings. And he gives himself, he gives himself heart and soul, body and soul to us. 
It's no wonder, he says, now submit to one another. Now live that out. I'm in this new community that I have created by the Spirit of God. Christ's death and resurrection has changed everything. This is a different kingdom that we are stepping into when we receive Christ at the point of salvation. It's not a kingdom with me or you at the center of it. It really isn't. And we read that in that passage, consider others better than yourself. That's a lifetime's work. Trying to work out what that even would mean. And this is, this is the word, this is when Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. This is a different kingdom. We need the Holy Spirit's help to live this out. This isn't supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to make lots of sense in our head. But this is God on display for us to wonder at, to marvel in, and to be part of, to partake in him. It's wonderful. We're not now just trying to exert my will over your will so that I get my way. That's not what this kingdom is, or just to make me feel better about myself. I give myself to him, and I give myself to you, one and another and you might think, well, that's a risky strategy. <laughs> that sounds like a risky strategy. Yeah, yeah, it is. But thank goodness Jesus didn't stop because it was a risky strategy. Thank goodness he didn't hold back because, wow, how, what's the deal for me in this? He gave himself to the plan of salvation. Love, and that's what's the heart of this community that he is building is. Love is not give and take. You can't take love. The kingdom of God, the love that God gives, is only ever give and receive. It's only ever give and receive. I can't write, I'll take what I need. No, I can only offer what I have into this team, into this community. And yes, it's a risk because it relies. It's kind of intrinsic in that is a recognition that others are going to need to be loving me at some point in the equation. Yeah, but I'm trusting God for that. I'm not demanding it from others. I'm trusting that God will provide and I'm giving myself like Jesus did to the plan. If Jesus had waited for the disciples to kind of get the plan before he went to the cross, we'd still be waiting. Let's wait until they get it. You know, I, I need something here. There he is, weeping in the garden in Gethsemane. And that's where we're going here in Luke 22. And we see that. I mean, is he, the disciples don't get it. They're asleep. They don't know what's going on. And yet he still gives himself. He gives himself. And in the garden there, in Luke 22, we read this. Not my will, but yours be done. And that's the heart of this kingdom, right in the center, is Jesus saying to his Father, not my will, but yours be done. And that's his example to us. We see the Son submitting to the Father. That Philippians 2 passage, in very nature, God. That's the mystery of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, equal in essence, equal in authority, and yet they have different roles. Equally God, but not different in value not different in worth, even though their roles are different. They work together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Theologians call this the economy of the Trinity. Yeah, theologians for you. But they, 
It's just how it works, how they work together, and they do work together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Son submits to the Father. The Holy Spirit glorifies the Son, and all equally functioning perfectly and in unity with great joy together. Mutual submission in the Trinity includes leadership. Jesus said, your will, not mine, be done to his Father. But this isn't a position which carries a kind of hierarchical idea. It's really because that's who they are, to get a job done together. And if you think about it, if we just all submitted to one another, we would never get anything done. Try and imagine that. So let's say that Stuart and I decide that we're going to go on holiday together. <laughs> let's just imagine that for a moment. And, uh, and Stuart wants to go to Spain, and I'd like to go to Florida. And I'm supposed to submit to him, and he's supposed to submit to me. What happens? Nothing happens, does it? We go, we're not going nowhere. I say, no, no, we'll definitely do what you want. He's, no, no, I'll definitely do what you want. We're just back and forth, back and forth. And so within the Trinity, we find that there's an economy of the Trinity. They work it out. They take on different roles, not different in value, but different in function. And so something actually gets done at some point. And we would go to Florida, by the way. <laughs> But we get stuck because we think that leadership is a value judgment. That's, we, we've, we're hardwired to believe that. That it's a pyramid, and the higher up you go, the, the, the greater your authority, and in, in some bizarre way, the more important or more valuable you are. That is not a kingdom of God mentality at all. It's not at all. And why do we know that? Well, we know that because Jesus, the champion of heaven, came as a servant. He washed his disciples' feet. He cooked fish on a beach. He cooked fish on a beach for his friends. God cooked fish on a beach for his friends. He washed their feet. He made himself nothing. That's God showing us how to be and how to live and how to submit to one another. And then Paul, even in referring to his own job in, in 1 Corinthians 4, says, well, I'm an apostle, I'm the end of the queue. I'm the scum of the earth. He says, I'm, I'm the least. And he's not just saying it, oh yeah, of course he would say that. He, he believes it, he means it. I'm serving all here. In the kingdom of God, leadership is not a celebrity status, it's servanthood. Serving one another. The privilege of serving, the honor of serving one another is a high honor. Those who serve in the church that no one sees about, you are highly honored, highly honored. I want to I thank you for what you do when no one sees you, when you do things that are essential to make all of this and much more besides work, but you know that you'll come and go and no one you know you ever did it. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's saying, I'll give myself to the whole. I'm happy to be part of the body I'm happy to serve Jesus because I'm doing it because I love him and for him. We need to see spiritual leadership in this way, Jesus' way. We need to have a paradigm shift in our thinking. That's what he's talking about when he talks about submitting to one another. That's our example. Example in the Trinity, example in Christ's own life and death and resurrection. And so we must move on to the home. And now he starts to talk about husbands 
and wives. That's the context. That's what he means. Now we need to say, now what, how does that work out then? And he says this, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body, for which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. These instructions to husbands and wives, it's easy, as we said earlier, to see them as reciprocal. In other words, you do your job, I'll do my job. And when you do your job, I'll do mine. That's reciprocal. You know, you start loving me like that, and I'll start behaving like that. You know, that's how, that's how sometimes you might think about it. Give and take. You know, that's a bit of give and take. Well, I'll give a bit, but I'm going to take a bit. I'll give a bit. Yeah, that's how it's going to work. They're not. They're parallel. They're not determined by one another. These are instructions to each that we would submit ourselves and we would love. In other words, we would give ourselves. It's, it's kind of the same thing in one sense. Give of yourself. Wives submit to husbands. Husbands love your wives. Both actually need to be functioning well for there to be a happy home. Both need to be functioning well for there to be a happy home. When one functions without the other, there's going to be problems. When one serves and no one is serving back, as it were, there's going to be problems. But that's not the determining factor. The determining factor is this is us reflecting Christ Amen. to a watching world. Imagine maybe, if this helps you, imagine what would have happened if Christ decided that he had enough of submitting to the Father. The Holy Spirit decided that he didn't have enough of glorifying Jesus and he wanted a bit of me time. And it's an appalling and irreverent thought. But sometimes we, we start to think that way about us, ourselves. I do. Like, you know, hang on. What about a bit of me time? Men, that's a lot of times men do think that, actually. But here we hear wives submit to their husbands. So how, if the example is Christ and his church, how is that demonstrated? You see, what... What Paul does here is he elevates marriage from just the two of you getting on. You thought that that was, a, you know, this is about the best you guys could do. And, you know, it's a human convention where we sort of do this thing, we get married and we have children and, you know, that's the best you could do. Now just go and get on with it the best you can. And what Paul says, no, there's something much more profound about your marriage than that. Much more profound. It was God's idea and it was there to do what? To, to be a living metaphor for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And suddenly it elevates marriage out of just a kind of human convention to something of heaven. God says you can demonstrate Christ as you love and submit to one another. Out of reverence for Christ, you put him on display. Because no one's living like this. Or very few are living like this. And when people see it, just like when they saw Jesus... It's attractive. It causes questions to be asked. It points where? It points to Jesus himself. And that's what marriage is about. It's about pointing to Jesus 
about making much of him. And Paul says, yes, it's a, it's a mystery. It's like Christ and the church, but it is. It, just imagine that for a moment. Your marriage, a living metaphor for the gospel itself. The very heart of all Jesus came to do. And you get to demonstrate it by living with someone that you love. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing. It really is. And Paul says, now work that out. So how did, how does the church submit to Christ? If that's the example, wives to submit to your husbands. Well, here we can find out. Because it's willingly. There's a willingness in the church's submission to Christ. It's humbly. It's graciously. It's, it's happily and, and even joyfully. Think about doing God's will. Think about your, when you think about, I want to do his will. It's, there's a joy in it. Why? Because I know it's for my good. I know it's for his glory. It's gratefully and it's respectfully. All that under the general heading of submit to one another, the therefore, live this out in your lives as you submit to Christ first. Now, just to say that it's, it's easy to use a passage like this and beat each other with it. It would be very easy, and I guess this has been done through the, the centuries, to say, right, you better submit to me. And pick it up like a stick and start, come on, submit, submit, submit. That is not at all what is happening here. In fact, wives, if, if your husband's asked you to do something that's ungodly or sinful, you should say no, because actually we refer to a higher authority which is God himself. It's not an excuse to get your way, and we'll come on to what the instructions to husbands in a moment. This is not an excuse to get your way. It's not an excuse to abuse. It's not that. If you're an abusive husband in the room today, you <laughs> I'm coming for you. But listen, God's coming for you too. Be careful. Okay. What about husbands? Well... Wives, you got two verses. Husbands, you get nine. I think, I think there's something in that, in, in, in our ability to pick stuff up quickly, and maybe the emphasis it needs to actually elicit some action from some of us. Now it says, husbands, love your wives. This is the bulk of the instructions that Paul is giving here. Most of it is to husbands. What sort of husbands elicits that devotion from a wife. Well, one that's like Jesus, of course. How did Christ, therefore, love the church? What was it like? What's it like for the church to be loved by Jesus? Here's, here's the example. Here's what, this is what Paul is reaching for when he's giving instructions about how husbands should love their wives. Well, let's read it. Let's find out. He gave himself up for her, forsaking all others, forsaking everything else, he gave himself up. He gave up, as it were, on himself for her. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He kept himself pure for her. Pure for her. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He was kind to her. The kindness of God leads us to repentance. He was kind to her. He didn't stop at death in his pursuit of her. He left no stone unturned to come and find his bride. He didn't stop. Death, death well, just swept it to one side, stormed through to find and to win her for all eternity. 
he is determined to present her faultless, beautiful, perfect. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He always believes the best of her. Always believes the best of her. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He works tirelessly for her glory. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He wept over her. And when Jesus wept over Jerusalem, longing, longing for them to understand something of the grace of God on the gospel that he was bringing. To care for her as you would care for your own bodies. Jesus didn't treat and doesn't treat the church as her sins deserve. He doesn't treat the church as her sins deserve. He has covenanted eternal commitment to her. Eternal commitment, the security that brings us, knowing that it will never perish, spoil, or fade. It's wonderful. He daily breathes life into her. He is passionate and jealous for her. He loves her with an everlasting love. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. If you happen to be a single woman and you're looking for a husband, there's your list. Don't settle for less. And if you're a young man thinking, there's, there's, there's manliness, that's masculinity, that's what it is. There it is on display in Jesus, giving himself, all of himself, meekness and majesty together. Glorious Jesus Christ. And he says, husbands and wives, you get to put that on display for the world to see. You get to live it out together, submitting and loving. It's glorious. It's wonderful. Let me just give you a, a kind of down-to-earth example, because of course it doesn't happen like, right, today I will love, and tomorrow Cheryl will submit, and that's how it works, so let's tick the list. It's, it's, it's kind of the ebb and flow of life, isn't it? So how does this practically work out? I'll just give one example from our, our own lives, and it's, you know, it's, it's all mixed in, I guess. So when we were newly married, and uh, Abby and Josh were tiny, so I think Abby was two, and Josh was four months, three months old, came the moment where we were going to move to South Africa. In fact, I think it was before Josh was born. We were going to move to South, South Africa. We felt, I'd felt it first, that God was calling us to move there, to go and minister there, to be part of a church that was, uh, that actually Angela was part of, who spoke to us the other week. And and so there we were together as a, a newly, really newly married couple trying to work out what does this mean? How do we submit and love in that context? We've got a huge decision to make. How do we do this? And we just had to work it out together. And this, to be honest, is how we've mostly done it throughout our married life. Mostly, we've asked God to lead us, and we've, we have said things like, I'm not sure if it's foolish or whether it's godly, but we've said, God, will do whatever you tell us. Whatever you tell us, we'll do it. And so we said that together, and then you, you kind of have to do it when he asks you to do things. And so there we, we were, with, with Cheryl particularly, with very young children, look, looking after them. And that's what she was doing at the time, and she'd stopped working as a teacher in order that she could do that, and so that we could make our plans to move. So we had to work this out. And so it would have been easy at some point for her to say, no, it's too much. Don't, come on, come on, Andrew, he's... he's 
three and four months old. How are we ever going to do this? And yet there was a sense which, no, we're called to do, we know we're called to do this. We must do what we said that we would do, that we would follow him wherever he, wherever he sends us. And so then we had to work out, what do we do, what do we do next? So I said, I was trying to be the, be the loving husband, trying to be careful and caring. So I said, well, let's spend an extended time in the country, that, in South Africa. Let's go for it. And, and when we're there, let's prayerfully ask. And I want to ask, be able to ask you, Cheryl, face to face, do you think you can make a life here? Can you, could, do you feel that you can do that? And, and the hope was that she would say that she could. But what would have happened, I suppose, if she said no? I said, well, we need to think again. We need to go back and ask some more questions and pray some more. There's no way I'm going to force this. But we do need to do it. So we're going to have to find a way with God's help where we can submit first to Christ's call, then to my sense of which we need to do this now, and then to love as we go. And that's how we worked it out. So we went for an extended period, tried to work beyond a holiday kind of time. Could we live here? Could we make a home here? So I was trying to say to Cheryl, do you feel that you could do that? She wasn't, she wasn't going to be able to work when we arrived in the country because of the visa situation. So it was, could you make a home here? Do you feel you could do that? And so we went, we did all the sort of normal things of life. So we were trying to work out how do we do this here in Ephesians 5. And so we, and then we moved. And so we came back and said, yes, I do think we could. Not without challenge, not without some fear and trepidation. It's a, it's a beautiful place, but it's a very difficult place to live. And so we did it. And I'm very, 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 very proud of my whole family, but particularly of of Cheryl to say, yes, let's do that with a four-month-old and a two-year-old. And God was with us. That's just a little example, uh, trying to root this in reality. It's all mixed in. It's not necessarily all of one or all of the other, but it's how some of these things can work out. We certainly didn't get it perfectly right. It wasn't without its challenges, not without its tears, but we did, we believe, do what God asked us to do. So, Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit yourself to your husband. Display the gospel. And you might say, that's all very well, but he's not like that. And you might say, well, that's all very well, but she's not like that either. And then we get stuck and we come back to this reciprocal or parallel idea, and it rather misses the point. We could say, well, I'll start loving her when she starts submitting to me, or I'll start submitting to him when he starts loving me like that. And then we all get stuck again. We come back to the motive, to the why. We do it because it's part of who God has made us to be. We do it because it's part of God's creation ordinance that he puts us together. I'll say this in a couple of weeks when we're looking at community together. Everything during the creation story, God said, this is good, it's good, it's good, it's good. That's part of the rhythm of the creation story. The days pass, he creates, and it's good. And then he gets to a point and he says, it's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. That's the first time in all the created moments, however long or short that might have been, won't go there right now. <laughs> but he says, it's not good. We're built for each other. We're made for community. Husbands and wives, you're made for each other. Got to work this out together. Let me finish by reading this from to Peter. Peter writes this, and I'll finish with this. So then, dear friends, 
Since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that the Lord's patient means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking to them of these matters. His letters contain some things which are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do with all the other scriptures, to their own destruction. So Peter, interesting things about here. So Peter thinks Paul's writing scripture. That's just a theological aside, because he refers to Paul's writing as scripture. But he says this, some of the things that Paul writes are hard to understand. And I think we'd have to agree with him. Yep, some of the things you write, Paul, they're hard to understand. Do you know what? Some of them are not hard to understand. We just don't like them. Sometimes he writes things that's easy to understand. I just don't like it. Now what do I do? Well, we sing, Lord, you're my Lord. That's what we do. We do it because he's our Lord and Savior. Because he said, this is how to live. Put, put, put me on display to a watching world. That's what he says to do. Now, there are, there are challenges in working this out, and each of us would have our own personal story about how that works and the challenges we find in the midst of that. So maybe we need to stand and just ask for God's help as we work that out. Maybe we'll finish, maybe we'll finish with that together. Lord Jesus, I want to ask for your help to do the things that you've put in your word. Lord Jesus, we know it's not easy. It's not easy to submit ourselves to one another. It's not easy to love one another. And then the, the love demonstrated in Jesus is just so far beyond most, most of our experience of what love is. Lord Jesus, the idea of submitting can seem frightening, can seem abhorrent sometimes. And yet, Jesus, we see you submitting yourself to the Father. And then you say, come and follow me. And Lord Jesus, we do want to do it. But Lord God, we struggle too. I know I do in my own heart and mind. And I pray, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to put Jesus on display. Help us to be husbands and wives together, all of us together, living metaphor for the gospel. Not thinking of ourselves as top of the pile, Lord, but humility, considering others better than ourselves, thinking of the needs of others, promoting one another, championing each other, Lord God, I pray that we'd be that way. I pray we would be leaders, husbands, wives, everybody else in, in the room as well, Lord Jesus. We would be people who live that way because it's what your kingdom is like. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.